Saints, we're excited to be with you this evening. Tonight, we will be reflecting on Sunday's message, the seventh stage of military movement. It is Wednesday, September 22nd, and this year is coming to a close quickly. We believe that our message to you this evening, we'll see, we believe that our message to you this evening will have more precision than the drone strike that we sent into Afghanistan. <laughs> now, we sent that drone strike into Afghanistan to protect against aid workers delivering water to children and refugees that were in need. If you don't know what we're speaking about, just take a little time and review the accuracy, the precision of the U.S. military. <laughs> now, with this, it will prepare more people for their new lives, the message that we're working in tonight, in the United States than the empty C-130s flying out of Afghanistan filled only with empty seats. The our aim tonight is that this message, that it will have a better presentation to the world than Jen Psaki. Thank you. Can Got circle it. back around. Nailed it. Or that President Biden can lie about to the UN on a world stage. We have been working on something aimed at no less than changing the world. Yeah. Saints, we're proud to tell you tonight that it did not come out of the Wuhan lab. And Dr. Fauci did not fund it, although it does have to do with gain of function. <laughs> yes, it does. Listen, we believe in more precision in your home than a tax credit from the Democrats can stimulate. We believe in more preparation among the brotherhood than Joe Biden has to get when he's dealing with the press corps. <laughs> we believe in the presentation of Christ to the world more than AOC believes that giving away other people's money is fun. We're, we're going to promise you something tonight. We're going to promise you more truth tonight than you would get on MSNBC, ABC, NBC, or even CNN combined. Shouldn't be too hard. And incredibly, no one was sexually harassed in the production of this message. Well... I guess except for Peyton by Hannah last night. This is true. <laughs> or Olivia Carter by Timo Carter last night. Oh! Huh, Pastor Wade? <laughs> we love our pastor. Now, saints, we have no ambitions to pit the vaccinated against the unvaccinated or mask the obvious truths of the scripture, nor will we deny the natural antibodies to sin found in Christ. Rather, our goal tonight is to come to a unified presentation of Christ to the world through the preparation of the body and precise implementation of the truths of scripture in our own homes. Saints, this will inoculate this local community from a virus with a far higher mortality rate than 2%. That's true. That's true. This virus has, in fact, sent 100% of lost people to their spiritual deaths. Yes. But we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We believe in the preparation of that priesthood. And we believe in the presentation of Christ to the whole world. Amen. 
Right now, while the, while the whole world is focused on the disappearance of one young blonde, we feel bound to address the missing manhood that should be found in the body of the modern church. Unfortunately, this is so woefully below the standard of Christ in the modern churches around us. <laughs> Tonight, we aim to cure this problem, this disease, by precisely aiming every believer at the priesthood of Christ. Yeah. By powerfully preparing every believer to participate in the priesthood of Christ. By presenting Christ to the entire world through the believers within this very body. Yes. Unlike the claims of this administration regarding their new Taliban partners, <laughs> we may not be businesslike. And you may not find us dramatically different than we have been in all previous years. But we will be true to who you know that we are. And passionately aim you with precision at the priesthood of Christ. We will work as a gift to you by preparing you for the priesthood. And together, we will all present Christ to the world. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians 4 at what Paul said about this. This is Ephesians 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. It says this. As a prisoner for the Lord, then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is what we are working to urge the body of Christ at tonight, at walking and living a life worthy of that call. We're precisely aiming at this goal tonight. We are headed toward preparing this priesthood. We are straining ahead in order to present this body of Christ according to the call that has been received from him. Can I tell you that we are with you in this endeavor? We are being urged. We are straining to this kind of worthy calling ourselves. Verse 13 of the same chapter says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Saints, the words until we all reach unity in the faith until we all attain to the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all grow into the whole measure that is the fullness of Christ. Saints, this is our aim, that as one collective family, one collective body, we might fulfill what Scripture says. In light of these lofty aims, it is fitting that we begin tonight in Genesis. Yeah. And the first thing we want to emphasize is precision. Now, there is nothing that calls to mind the need for precision, quite like the topic of circumcision. Circumcision, yeah. You need to be precise when we're talking about circumcision now, Judah. I mean, nobody in the history of thought on this subject wants to envision haphazard, oh. wild swings, oh. of any sort of cutting instrument in that specific area. No, if it's going to be done... You want it to be done with precision. Yes. Precision for the privy parts. Are you with us tonight, church? Yes. You ready to get into the law? Yes. Then go to Genesis 17 and say precision when you're, while you're finding verse 9. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. 
the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male, say every male. Every male. Every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. My voice cracked. I sound like I'm eight days old. <clears throat> I feared this my whole life, uh, that my voice would crack when I'm speaking. Verse 13. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from my people. <laughs> now, you are a priest. Yes. And you are a priest in a nation that God is building. And the sign of your covenant is the precision with which you shape the hearts of those that reside in your own home. Amen. No one who loves their family avoids this foundational level of priestly activities. And no one, say no one. No one. No one should go about it haphazardly. A priest first demonstrates proficiency by the precision with which he shapes his own family, yeah. his own house, his own progeniture, progeniture, his own propagation for the presentation of Christ to the world. Saints, when we're speaking on these subjects, it uh, could be easily missed when we're using humorous terms. We're speaking about the preciousness of the households that have been given. And God is bringing us into a, a kind of precision that is like Abraham going through every member of the family, whether they were purchased or born in the household, and ensuring that they were able to participate in the covenant, in the promise. In our discussions today, we were even considering Ephesians 5 in light of this kind of concept. God is teaching us to precisely arrange our household so that our children are ready for the call, so yeah. that our spouses are ready for the call. Amen. This brings us to Genesis 14, 14. When Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out. Now, I love that phrase for That's some reason. Out. Called out. He called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, we know you've read this many times. You may have read this text so many times that you missed the obvious. I've done that numerous times. By getting familiar enough with it to not see the current detail. It's almost like a media campaign that is just spewing the same story again and again and again, hoping that the details will actually get glazed over. Nobody was whipped in South Texas in the last three days, but, you know, facts don't matter anymore. But these men, these men were trained, the scripture said. Somebody want to tell me how they got that way? Oh, come on. Abraham trained these men. The answer is that Abraham, acting as a priest of God, shaped their hearts with precision. And he also set out to prepare them for the challenges that were ahead. I have a slide for you that I'd like you to take a look at with me. So this is from the pulpit commentary, Genesis 14, verse 14. Notice some of these highlighted parts. Literally, and he armed them and caused to pour forth. 
It goes on and says that the root of the meaning is to unsheathe or draw out anything as from a scabbard. From something within him, he had to pour forth into them, and it was like a drawn sword when it was done right. In this way, Abraham was a gift to the men. Say gift. Gift. He prepared them for warfare. He wasn't potty training them. He was training them for actual combat. And the men were an essential gift to Abraham. Having been prepared, they worked as one unit to achieve a corporate objective, the liberation of the lost. We had a prophecy from last Wednesday about this very topic, stating things similar to this. The Lord proclaimed to us his body that he has drawn his sword. Oh, come on. And that now was the time for reckoning with his enemies. And that we, as his body, would be the ones to knock down his enemies, us. Come on, can you guys say something with me? We are with you. With you. We're going to be with the God who has the drawn sword. I was thankful for that in worship. Come on, yeah, me too. Church, we must work with precision within our homes, pouring out for their preparation and ours within the body of Messiah. We must prepare the corporate body as a singular unit linked together and fighting in tandem with one another. And the unified body, it was always meant to be formed as a presentation of Christ to the rest of the world. Turn with us just a couple scriptures away to verse 16. Come on. You guys with us? Yeah. Yeah. He recovered all the goods and brought brought back his relative lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. Saints, when we work with precision in our homes first, and then we diligently prepare and train the corporate body, we will recover every relative of Christ. Every possession of Christ. Church, our aim is the presentation of Christ to the world, being put on display. Unlike the Biden strategy that has been missing from these last few months, no strategy at all, We want to make our battle strategy clear to unite. We are currently walking through a chiastic structure with you. Abraham in the law has showed us how a faithful and victorious man walks out a precise implementation of the word, a circumcision, and begins to prepare his family, prepare his household, pouring into them so that they can be presented and victorious like Christ. What we want to do this evening is zero in on the preparation that God has so powerfully positioned us for as the unparalleled truth for the evening together. After we have a demonstrable grip, I'm talking about not slipping, not sliding, not falling on staircases, but like always gripping where we should be on how to pour forth the armament of heaven as priest of the Most High God, We will then revisit precision, preparation, and presentation with a newfound potency and practice. Let's turn to Isaiah 40 as we build on this. This is Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. It'll sound familiar to most of us. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. 
Make straight in the wilderness a highway for God. Listen, I don't think Isaiah was speaking about a new alliance in the desert with the tribes. Desert tribes. <laughs> yeah, with those, those people who swear their alliance to Allah. Yeah. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Verse 4. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. A rough, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, yeah. and all mankind will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Our preparation process must include making precise paths and an all-out obedience to the word. Amen. Yeah. This includes raising the valleys and the dry bones that are included in this resurrection process. Come on, raise those dry bones. Dry bones. We will be trained in the warfare and mounting an offensive against the mountains in our lives, yeah. as well as the mountains in our brothers' lives, mm -hmm. and present our lives to our brothers and then to the world. Come on. As we turn to Ezra chapter 3 together, we wanted to remind you of a few things from Sunday's message. God himself has laid out his strategic objectives in phases. Those phases are enumerated in the seven feasts of Israel. Yeah. And those seven feasts happen to occur over a period of seven months. In the Hebrew calendar, we are currently in the seventh month right now. That month is called Tishri, and it begins with Operation Yom Teruah, Yom Teruah, where trumpets are blown to remind every man who is called to be a priest in his home to rededicate to his most vital interests, namely, being a priest in his home. <laughs> now, as we stated, this month is called Tishri, and it begins with the Operation Yam Teruah, trumpets. It's a loud sound signaling movement for men. Hey, the next strategic objective in this operation is Yom Kippur, yeah. where God has given us priests within the body as a gift to help us in the initiative to obtain what is most needed, namely recommitment to the Lord and atonement. Mm -hmm. Are you guys catching that progression? The next and last object in this operation is Sukkot, where the body of Messiah enters into the completion of the original objection with overwhelming success. You remember this was related to desert dominate? The idea is that God is bringing us through repetitions of this cycle so that we can succeed overwhelmingly. Now, namely, our aim in this overwhelming victory is the salvation of the world as yeah. the body of Messiah acts as a priest to the whole globe, as a physical representative of Messiah, consecrating this world to our God and our Father. Amen. As we begin in verse 1 of Ezra 3, please take note this begins in the seventh month. This is Ezra 3, starting in verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns... The people assembled as one man in Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priest, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates began to build the altar of God, of the God of Israel, to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Mm. I love how the word talks about Moses. <laughs> Verse 3, despite their fear of all the people around them, they built an altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord. 
both in the morning and evening sacrifices. Then, in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices, and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred feasts for the Lord, and as well as those brought uh, as free will offerings to the Lord. Amen. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not been laid. In the turbulent times of Ezra's day and during the seventh month, it was time for preparation of the people. Say preparation. Preparation. It was time for the preparation of the people of God to meet God's seventh month objective. Ezra and Nehemiah were gifts to the body to help them during those turbulent times. Yeah. It's good to have a gift when you're in turbulent times. They stood up together and rebuilt the altar of God on the foundation that it needed to sit on and reinitiated the sacrifices upon it once more. You know, that wasn't the only thing that they did, though, Peyton. They also stood up together and recommitted themselves to the law of God, yeah. <laughs> to everything that it said, and to holding it up as their standard as a community. These bold stands in the right kind of preparation caused them to be overshadowed by their God. He supernaturally enabled them to come, to accept the law, to build the altar, to reinstitute sacrifices, all of these things that were so much farther and seemed impossible for them to be able to do. The God of Israel overshadowed his people when they were unified in these endeavors. They responded with joy and boldness. And they mustered their strength together for the work ahead. Ezra and the team with him are a very fine example of what it means to prepare for the work ahead. Yeah. Well, they fought to get free of Babylon. Yeah. They fought yeah. to rebuild a, a habitable house. Mm -hmm. In their efforts to restore Israel into right relationship to the Lord, they are now building an altar despite the contempt of the surrounding compromised nations that were all around them trying to get them to stop building. They understood sacrifice was the beginning of preparing for the future. Wow. And church, no sacrifice is too much. Yeah. They had already left everything, and they could not be stopped from completing their goal. All right, so I want you to meditate on this for a minute with me. Ezra and the men with him were a gift to all Israel, helping them be consecrated to the Lord. Would you say that they fulfilled their seventh step operation, that re-consecration to God was happening under their watch. Yeah. Now consider this for a moment. How much it cost them to get there. They had to return from exile. You think everybody was just singing their praises along the way? Nope. They had to start rebuilding in an environment that was devastated where they were not given the proper funding up front. Yeah. When the ambivalent wishes of the king through Ezra and Nehemiah could change depending on who was in power or presidency. How much did you have to give up to be in this room? There are men and women in this room that I know are like Ezra, like Nehemiah, like Zerubbabel. You have given up an extraordinary amount to be sitting where you are right now. Men like Assad. Assad did not uproot his family and dedicate himself to discipleship, to stop short at any point. Yeah. 
to stop short of ordering his family in shalom with the next steps that are given. That man and that family are a gift to this body, and they are helping us prepare for the work ahead. Ibrahim, Zakari, that man left his entire country to be here. All right, you think you moved far, Adam Cora? He had to get on a plane and cross oceans. He came here, gave up his country, and dedicated himself to a way of life. Do you really think that Abraham's going to stop at anything to see his call completed? When you consider the commitment that men had like this, in Peter's words, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. He's saying this while everybody else is walking away. Our dedication to the preparation will cause us to flow in further sacrifices, further work, a further pouring out for the armament of the body that we are a part of. Man, I think about men like Rick Lawhon. Yeah. He gave himself over to radical transformation. Oh, yeah. And he dedicated himself to the body of Christ. That man has been a servant since I have known him. You really think Rick Lawhon's going to stop short of total transparency? No! Rick Lawhon is a gift to every one of yeah. us in this room. Amen. Ezra, Nehemiah, and the men that were with them set an example for us. We are facing further challenges that are harder, that are requiring things of us. Yeah. But in light of what we've already done to get here, is turning back really an option? No. How about we get verse 8, Peyton? All right, verse 8. In the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Josedak, I am crushing these names, and the rest of their brothers, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem began the work, Come on. appointing Levites, 20 years of age and older, to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Our heavenly commander... Our holy general is arranging us to prepare each other for the combat ahead. Amen. He's putting us in our positions. We are gifts from a divine God to a world in desperate need of transformation. Come on. Have you thought of yourself as a gift? Because tonight you're going to understand how much of a gift you are to this body. This world is committed to its contemptible compromise. And as Luke 16, 16 says we must force our way into the coming rule of Messiah. Amen. Amen. We're going to do it. Also, the fivefold and its members are gifts meant to aid you in your divinely directed assault on the enemy's kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Church, every member is required to win this war. Every right. single one. That's right. We need each other to accomplish this objective. Amen. We've got a slide, a visual from Sunday to remind you about how every member is needed to win the war. This is the uh, slide on the U.S. Army rank. I'm going to read down that right side. Every single member of the military is a soldier. You have the private at the bottom right of the screen. Everyone, every member is a soldier in the army. Some soldiers prepare other soldiers for their work. That's like the corporal, like the sergeant. They are there to prepare the other soldiers for their purposes yeah. in the army. Some soldiers are visibly leading all others in the mission to the world. Some of these are like the lieutenant, the captain, the major, the colonel, the general. 
These clearly are leading men into battle and helping them to attain their goals. Just like in Ezra 3, these arrangements ensure every member of the army or the body is prepared. There's work to be done. There's work that is happening ahead of us. Like Ezra 3, they had their swords with them. They had their spears. They had their shovels. They even had their Torah scrolls strapped to their side. These must be in our hands as we go to war. And guess what? There are too many tools in that belt to be yielded by one man alone. There are way too many things that we need for warfare. Too many tools that this whole body needs to win the war and to succeed in battle for just one or three or five of us to wield by ourselves. We need the entirety of the body of Christ wielding the weapons that God has equipped for them to wield, being prepared in every good work to win the battles ahead. Yeah. Saints, we would like to remind you of Exodus 19, 4 through 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. Anybody remember your Remember series? Yeah. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. What we just mentioned to you earlier is about the necessity of every facet of the body and how we are gifts to one another. Exodus 19 lays down a pattern that carries all the way through the word. The collective body of believers are priests to the rest of the world. You notice how he starts out in verse 4 by saying, Remember what I did to Egypt. Remember. Essentially he's saying that victory is assured in advance. I will make you into a priest and remember the last thing that you didn't think was possible. Your adversary, your slave master... Well, he's, he's still licking his wounds. The battles that are ahead, we're meant to take confidence in his ability to deliver us, but make us into a holy priesthood through the process. Amen. The gift of the body of Christ working in its proper place and function. This gift would facilitate God's battle plan yep. on earth as well as in the heavens. Yeah. The Passover and leaving Egypt, that was stage one. Did that affect just the earth or did it affect the heavens as well? This was stage one in his plan. But this was always aimed at a rededicated priesthood, a recommitted priesthood, a corporate priesthood that could re-consecrate the rest of the world to God. Hey, this is why his spirit remains among us. His spirit is on us so that we might represent him. This is why we should not fear God's seventh month objective. This is in his goal from the very beginning, and he will do it just like he delivered us from Egypt. Now, Jeremiah 41 gives us a sobering reminder of the consequences that await a people of God who have not prepared for times ahead. We're going to start in chapter 40, verse 15 with you. Say preparation as you're turning there. Verse 15 of Jeremiah 40. Then Johanan, son of Korea, said privately to Gedaliah and Mizpah, 
Good job. You're getting yeah, all the good you, ones you. tonight, Peyton. <laughs> coming for you, Jen. Linton, I'm coming for you. You set the bar high. Why should he take your life and cause all the Jews who are gathered around you to be scattered and the remnant of Judah to perish? But Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, said to Johanan, son of Korea, don't do such a thing. What you are saying about Ishmael is not true. Man, you can view your brothers as a major gift or a major pain. But I would suggest that viewing our brothers as a gift is where we should land. Johanan, son of Korea, was on to something here. He was addressing Gedaliah and attempting to help him identify the holes in the walls of the remnant of Israel still residing in Mizpah. Mm. Yet, Gedaliah would have none of it. Because of the lack of preparation, the remnant faced death. They faced terror and an ultimate scattering. The opposite of preparation that leads to a unified presentation to the world. As we continue reading in chapter 41, note here that we are in the seventh month. Say seventh month. Seventh month. The lack of preparation is the very thing that led to the failure in their seventh month objective. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 41 in verse 1 and see what happens here. In the seventh month, Ishmael, son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, who was of royal blood and had been one of the king's officers, came with ten men to Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, at Mizpah. While they were eating together there, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and the ten men who were with him got up and struck down Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, with the sword, killing the one whom the king of Babylon had appointed as governor over the land. Ishmael also killed all the Jews who were with Gedaliah at Mizpah as well as the Babylonian soldiers who were there. Well, as we read this earlier, we came to a staunch conclusion. Obviously, preparations A through G had failed for Gedaliah. More preparation H was needed. Yeah. Now, despite Cayenne, 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 however Kanye. we say this guy's Kanye. name. Kanye. Kanye, there we go. Despite Kanye West's most recent attempt at producing gospel reggae, 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 I think is how you say it. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody from in a song that says everything will be okay as an attempt to express the virtues of Christ. It will not be okay if you do not prepare yeah. by building the team. Yeah. That's right. Get found this out the hard way. But Proverbs 28 has commentary on this exact verse. It's almost like a prophecy. This is from the Lexham. It's based on the Septuagint. Just as a city is when overthrown by its walls and unfortified, so is a man who does nothing with counsel. Yeah, think about that for just a moment. Mm -hmm. I can, would do not care to list the number of times that I was slow to heed counsel or did not heed counsel in this scripture defined me. <laughs> Tonight, we're moving on to better. There is an enemy who wants to assassinate your call. Hey, if you, ha if you have not tasted of that yet, I promise every one of you will. I can see it in some of your eyes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He wants to pick off your leaders. You need to remember that in your prayer life. He is looking to pick off the shepherds that guard your soul. Amen. 
And he wants to rob you of the gifts that were meant to prepare the body of Christ. As the precision with which we implement in our own homes and the seriousness with which we prepare one another in the body of Christ is exactly how we defend against this kind of attack. These things will serve us so that we can make a presentation, so that we can present the body of Christ to the rest of the world. Our goal is to present Christ to the rest of the world. Is that what you want to do, church? Yeah! And we get to do it together, preparing in this house. Let's move on to John 15 and say, prepare when you find verse 15. John 15, 15. Prepare. Prepare. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Come on. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. In the Greek, I made known to y'all. You guys. You yes. guys. You, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and do what? Bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. He did not make them naive to his will, but making it known so they could go out and accomplish it. Somebody say, not naive. Not naive. But knowing. But knowing. Taking great precision to prepare his body for the presentation of Messiah to the world. Do you see the precision at which Jesus was preparing his disciples? This is how we bear fruit that will last. Amen. No one wants temporary fruit. We want the fruit that goes on generation and gener- yeah. to generation. Yeah. Now, if you have your Bible, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 with about as much joy as Pastor Wade's daughter has been turning to Timothy lately. Amen. Love you, Pastor. She is like her mom. <laughs> hey. That's a household trained right. <laughs> Preparedness. Precision. We're going to be reading in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Paul's advice to Timothy went something like this. Hey, Timothy, go somewhere by yourself and suffer alone. No. no. That's not what Paul told Timothy to do. Join with me in suffering. You see, they did these things together. They went to battle together. They shared in sufferings together, and they survived together, and the gospel went out because of that unity. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Church, we're here standing before you today, and we want you to be confident that we have obtained the precise path. We have obtained orders directly from our commanding officer. These orders require us to prepare in our positions as soldiers while standing shoulder to to shoulder with the other soldiers in this room. We do these things confidently. We do these things joyfully. Because our corporate objective is no less than presenting Messiah in all his glory to the rest of the world. Can you say what Nick just described is a tall task? Yeah. And we want you to understand that our mighty king through us can do it. 
Yeah. He is able to bring that about. It is our willingness, our attentiveness to these things that allow his powerful working to come into us. I think you could hear that in Colossians during the worship service, couldn't you? Yeah. Revelation 1, verses 5 and 6. says, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And I'm praising God for that fact. Yeah. To him who loves us. Somebody say us. us. All right. We know you were told God loves you. But this says God loves us. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Saints, we are participators in a collective salvation. There is no such thing as salvation outside of the body. Okay, That, that would be an organ that was removed and thrown in the parking lot. We have been saved together. And he has made us. Saints, he has made us to be a kingdom and priest, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I want to be the first to testify. He is still making me into that priesthood. But I'm being made into that priesthood along with you a little more every day. That we are participating in this together. Saints, the direction that we've been given by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. This is the precise path. We have obtained it. We have been freed by his blood to press on into that path together. Saints, these orders require us to prepare in our positions as priests of the Most High, making the way for the final rehearsal of the seventh month objective. We do these things joyfully, confidently. We want you to understand the certainty of the outcome. When we do this rightly, it will produce What the scripture says. We do this confidently because our corporate objective is no less than presenting Messiah in all of his glory to the rest of the world. Yeah. We see the end goal. What we're headed at to present Christ to the world. And we want to represent him correctly. And we have to get prepared in this house. We have to be precise in our homes. As we approach a close, we want to go back to Ephesians 4 and highlight a few verses that are going to help us once we walk out of here. This is Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. He did not put these positions up for vote. (laughs) He precisely chose what he wanted. In his house, The Lord is precise about who he chooses. Our commander is the leader of precision. He he truly is. He's the one that appoints. He's the one that puts the weapons in your and my hands. He's the one that equips us. And he knows exactly what the, the corporate body of Christ needs for success and victory. He is precise in these things. Verse 12. To prepare. Preparation to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The goal in his precision, as he's working precisely in his people, his goal has always been that his body would be prepared for the works of service that you and I are called to together. 
Saints, considering the days that we live in, and they're not likely to get easier. In fact, Scripture tells us that they're going to get harder. How important is it to prepare? This is Texas. I, for the longest time, had 10,000 rounds of 45 ammo under my bed just in case I couldn't find it. If you understand the challenge that is facing this body and you consider yourself family, you're not visiting. You hear a mama or a daddy beating a kid on the other side of the wall. Why? Preparing. Preparing. How hard would you work to prepare if you knew that we would be under attack? We're joyfully, lovingly, together telling you that we are, will continue to be, and that we are the answer to the problem. Verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Look, as we all reach unity in the faith, we are able to corporately present Messiah to the rest of the world more and more and more. Verse 14 goes on to say, then we will no longer be infants. And it goes on to speak about us rising, being built up together. That is what we desire in this house. This is why we are standing here, because we are of you and we are for you. We have to ask a few questions in closing. When you consider the precision work of your own heart and in your household, does it need some tuning up? Are there some areas you've settled for rote obedience rather than fine tuning? You're disciplining your child, but you have not reached into their heart to change the way they view God in the world? When you're relating to the Lord about your circumstances, your workplace, your marriage, your lack of marriage, does your heart need some precision in tuning? How about your preparation? Are you laboring as men who are laboring for eternity? Or is the forefront of your mind mostly the next couple weeks or months? Guys, we are in the days where what we do matters. Not just for our own households, but for each other. If you're the kind of person who might be a little late some mornings, but you know your brother is depending upon you to be there, does that not change everything? What we desire is to walk out the seventh month objective in its entirety, to be able to corporately present Messiah to the rest of the world. This starts with our recommitment to these kind of principles so that God can overshadow us in your precision in your home so that the spirit of the almighty can overshadow you and your preparation in this body and we will know that his spirit that his mighty right hand that is being raised up that we have seen that we've heard about but we are experiencing might be with us as we present him to a lost and dying world so this is what we're going to do everybody stand to your feet tonight we are going to respond at this altar in two ways. The first one, we're going to respond at this altar corporately. We're going to do it together. We're going to go after these things together. Secondly, we're going to respond at this altar with confidence. 
like we know that when we do it together and when we respond rightly, the very Spirit of God is waiting to overshadow us as His body. He's literally looking and His eyes are roaming the earth looking for those who He can strengthen, looking for those who He can empower, looking for those who have situations and who have a lack of precision that He wants to absolutely change. So tonight, we're going to begin to worship. We're all corporately going to respond as a body. And because of that corporate unity, because we're doing it together, you are going to watch and see our God, who is the most powerful God, change situations. He's going to reach down. You are going to have a renewal of your very spirit, his spirit at work inside of you. And you are going to know as you walk out of that door tonight that you have the full power of God at work in this place. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you as a corporate body, mighty King. Lord, we approach your throne, your altar with confidence tonight, mighty God. Confidently knowing, Lord, that the things that we don't think that we can change, Lord, you will do it, Father. You will bring us to complete unity, Lord. Father, transparency, Lord God, let it be in this place tonight. Lord, we bring ourselves into your light, mighty God, because we know that in your light, we see light, and you bring us together in unity, mighty God. We worship you tonight, Father, and we say, yes, you will change us. Yes, you will work in us. Yes, you will bring unity in this place.